songs, everyone. Good to see everybody. That is a killer song. Yeah. Um, boy, just what a what a great place to to begin, especially with us uh, observing communion today and uh, and everything involved. Man, what what an amazing way to just set our minds and our hearts with the Lord. Uh, so good to be here. So good to see everybody. For those of you joining us online, uh, if you're new with us, I'm Jason. I'm the lead pastor. So glad to uh, to have everybody together. And uh, just looking forward to an awesome morning. It's already been awesome. Um, and the Holy Spirit, I know, is just going to continue uh, to move today. So um, it, again, if you are new with us, uh, we do just want to say welcome. And I uh, hope that uh, if you're watching online, you'll like and subscribe and share uh, this with, with others so that uh, not only can you get notified, but that others can maybe join into our online community. And um, uh, if, if you are new, click on the I'm New page. You can uh, get all the information that you need there. We'd love to reach back out to you uh, if you fill out that card. Uh, and for those of us here, uh, you can always come to the orange wall out in the lobby if you missed it. I don't know how you missed it because it's a big, bright orange wall and it's the only one in the building. Uh, but that's where you can go to get any information that you need um, for everything that's going on. We do uh, appreciate everyone sticking with the social distancing and mask thing and, and all of that. I know that it's something we're going to have to continue to, to deal with, and I just appreciate everybody's, uh, you know, help with that for us to be able to continue to meet and everything. Um, have a few uh, announcements for everybody as we uh, continue into the service, and, uh, and this next one is, uh, is, is cool because it's a new life group that's starting that's called More Than Conquerors, uh, and it's run by Chris Eglin. Uh, those of you may have been a part of a group that he was, uh, that he was helping with um, earlier uh, last year, and it's kind of being revamped. It's going to be on Monday evenings from 7 to 8.30, uh, beginning November 16th, and it's going to be in the community room, and you can sign up online for it. And essentially what it comes down to is this, that, you know, the, the what-ifs in life that the enemy likes to use to, to keep us down, the things that keep us up at night and, and pull us away from the Lord, that this is really a life group that will help to address uh, those kinds of, of issues and to help us connect to others that struggle in the same ways with, you know, some, some of us struggle in, in much deeper ways than others. And so if, if that is uh, something that maybe speaks to you or you know of somebody that, that can maybe use that to discover the freedom that we can have in Jesus uh, because we are more than conquerors, and that's where the name sort of comes from there. Um, that is starting on the 16th, uh, Monday in the community room, 7 to 8.30. Please feel free to sign up there. Um, in two weeks, we have our first child dedication service that's happening since we've been in this building. So it's, uh, it's a really cool thing, yeah. And um, it's going to be happening on the 22nd. And it's, uh, there is a mandatory orientation class that's happening next Sunday uh, that'll be in between the first hour and the second hour. It's about 10.15, I think, is when it's going to start. And uh, so you need to sign up your child online, send us a picture, and, and all of that good stuff. Um, again, happening in two weeks. So uh, last week, we had um, insanity called Trunk or Treat in a blizzard. Um, for those of you that maybe were a part of that, God bless you. That was incredible. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you what, the thing that, that blew my mind the most, I, I know that there's a, there's a highlight video online that you can certainly go watch on our YouTube channel, and, uh, and, and it was posted on Facebook and everything as well. The the dedication of, of you all to be able to be here in the middle of that, like there was literally a moment, for those of you that were here, you, you saw it, where there was this white curtain of blizzard that just overtook the, <laughs> the parking lot. It, it was insane. I was, I was standing up, up here actually with Kevin Batty and we turned around and like, you know, it just like 
overtook us as it was going through. It was, it was crazy. I've never seen anything like it before. We still had over 200 people come through, even in the midst of that, which is incredible. So God uses anything and everything. And so thank you for those of you that participated and were part of it um, and, and stuck it out. It was, uh, it was definitely well worth it. And it was one we will never forget, that's for sure. Um, so as we continue to worship the Lord, um, we, we know that, uh, that we can give back to the Lord. And now is our, our opportunity to be able to do that, whether you want to give online or here in person. We have the convenience boxes around the building. And if you want to give online, uh, connectchurch.xyz slash give. You can do that. You can even set up recurring giving so that it comes out whenever you would like it to automatically. Um, but, you know, it, it's really much more than that. It's, it's really more about how... Um, where we place God in our lives. And if he is first in our lives, and that means he's first in everything in our lives. And so as we get this opportunity to give back to him and we know that, uh, and, and you can trust that every penny is being used to connect people to Christ, community, and purpose, which is what we're called to do. And especially in this time that we're living in now, the church is the only hope that this world has as we move forward. That's why Jesus put that vehicle in place. And that was true back then, and it's still true now, and Jesus is still on the throne. Uh, we know that, we can trust that, and to be able to give to the mission is just a privilege, really, that we all have. So let's pray and ask God to bless that as, uh, as we get into the word here. Father, I thank you so much for this time we can get together, and I thank you for all that you have given to us. God, I thank you for the way that you have blessed our church and the way that you continue to bless the church. Uh, Father, I pray for every gift that is given now, that, that it can be used uh, to connect people to you, to connect people to each other and to the purpose that you have for each of our lives. God, I pray that you would use it to build your kingdom and to grow your kingdom. Uh, and Lord, we anxiously await your return. But until then, God, help us to be faithful and good stewards of what you've given us so that we can reach those who need to hear the hope that you bring each and every one of us. Uh, so Father, I thank you for each and every gift that's given and that, and that you would use it in amazing ways. Holy Spirit, I pray now that you would speak to our, our minds and speak to our hearts as we look into your word. Lord, encourage us, lift us up now in this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I want to start this, um, I guess, series that we're going to be looking at here um, with really just a question that I know a lot of us are asking right now, and it's simply this, what if? A lot of us are asking the question, what if? And then we fill in the blank from there. Over the last eight months especially, we've probably asked this what-if question a lot more than we maybe have before. Um, a whole lot of what-ifs going on. Um, but I want you to think about some of the what-ifs that, that we have all been dealing with in our, life, uh, in our lives right now. For example, what if the Browns are for real? Uh, eh. We thought that a week ago, but typical Cleveland. Um, what if we never get back to normal? We've dug into that a little bit, whatever normal means. What if the kids never go back to school like they used to? What if we never stop wearing masks? What if I get COVID? We've all maybe wondered that. What if, uh, what if the election results mean this or they mean that? What if, uh, what if everything gets shut down again? What if I can't pay my bills? We've got these what if questions, these things that we're worried about. What, what if questions, they, they have a way of messing up our peace of mind. They have a way of, of the enemy 
getting a hold of those things to leave us unsettled and to pull our trust from God into a direction that it was never intended to go. And some of us wrestle with this question a lot. Some of us wrestle with it a lot more than others. Some of us wrestle with it to an almost unhealthy place. Um, and some of us maybe need to come to that more than conquerors group uh, because of that. But you know, what if we addressed the what if questions and what if we handed those over to the Lord in a way that really uh, made a difference in our walk with the Lord that, that really isn't in just a way that sounds good, but in a way that actually changed and enhanced our relationship with the Lord as, as we move forward and go about our daily lives. And I'm praying and have been praying and will continue to pray that, that God will use the next few weeks to do just that. And so... I want to start with this question, with a question that we ask all the time. Maybe not all the time, but a lot of us have asked it a lot more lately, and we might as well address basically the biggest question, if you will, right off the bat that we've asked a lot in 2020, which is this, what if the worst happens? What if the worst happens? Now, my version of the worst and your version of the worst might be different. Some of it might be close to the same, some of it might not. But sometimes we ask this question and it freaks us out. Sometimes we ask this question and it, and it puts us in a place that, that we probably shouldn't be. February of 2019, some of you may remember uh, the really, really bad windstorm that we had come through. Um, it was 50, 60 mile an hour winds and I remember that day for two reasons. Um, one, because it was super nice out, and I remember actually going outside and throwing a football around with my boys that day because it was so nice out. It was weird because in February, we're used to having snow up to here, and we didn't. It was, it was really nice, and so we were outside. I don't even think with a jacket on, but these major windstorms came through on a particular night, um, and so I don't know if we were up late or what it was that night, but, but I had, uh, we've got four kids, and my, my little guys, Lincoln and Wilson, they were uh, nine and six at the time, and I had them in, in the bathroom that we have in the basement. We only have two bathrooms, and so one's upstairs and the other one's in the basement, and I had them down there just helping them get their shower real quick because they needed to get to bed, and it was a late night, and so I was, you know, getting them in the shower and everything, and I'm, I'm down there, and I hear this really, I mean, we could hear the wind because it was whipping really bad and everything, but I hear this like scrape down the side of my house and then this kind of, and I'm like, what in the world? You know, that's not something you would, I'm like, what is going on? And so I run upstairs, um, just right around the corner and up and out the back of my house. And when I go out of the back of my house, I see this. And it's probably really hard for you to tell right now what that is. You might be able to see it a little better on the screen up there. But what you can't tell is that that is a 50 to 60 foot pine tree sitting, laying on my kid's swing set. And I'm like, what in the world? Now, we had remembered seeing that thing do this all the time in the wind and everything. Like, we've seen it before, moving like that. But the wind really was happening bad. And so if, if you go to the next one for me, this is a video I took the next morning of this tree laying next to my house. And this is not a small tree, as you can tell. It was actually um, as tall as my house laying down, right? And it was literally the width of my house. Now, this window right here, 
as you can see, that's Lincoln and Wilson's bedroom. They sleep literally on the other side of that window. There's a bunk bed, and, and Link's usually right there, and Will's on the other side. The trunk of that tree was five feet to the right, five or six feet to the right, enough to not land right on where they should have been sleeping at the time. It was five to 10 feet from not only crushing my house, but potentially killing my boys. You wanna talk about asking a what if question in that moment. What if this massive tree that had to lay there for a, a few days, as you can imagine, because we're like, well, I'm not just gonna drag that into the woods. Um, <laughs> but, so we had to figure that out. Um, but I mean, you can see right there how close it is. And by the way, there, there wasn't a scratch on my house. Don't ask me how. Well, I know how. But there wasn't a, there wasn't a scratch on my house. Yes, the slide was um, crushed on the swing set, but that was, that was an old swing set. We, we, had, we had another one down in the yard. And so God just laid down that tree right next to the house. It could have fallen any direction. And it fell right next to the house could have killed my boys had it been 10 feet this way, and I would have had much, many more problems than just what do we do with all the wood and how do we grind a stump that big. So I brought the boys out. Go ahead to the next picture for me, Lauren, and I had to get a picture of them on the tree um, so that you can kind of see how big it is. Um, but, you know, what if that tree had hit my house? What if my boys would have been killed? What if I would have lost half of my house and in, in the middle of that, it begs the question, when these what-if things happen, is God enough? Because we, we ask, I mean, let's be honest, we ask this question when things get, get, get that bad. We may not verbalize it that way, we may not think about it that way, but is God enough when, when bad things happen, when the worst has the potential to happen? You know, it's a crazy story, and, and God spared my house and spared my boys, and, and I thank God for it every time I walk out of my back door and I see the big dirt spot where that tree used to be. But that's nothing compared to some of the deeper questions that some of us have asked and some of the tougher questions that people have asked. Chris and Paula McNutt are uh, missionaries that we support to Guatemala, and uh, just a couple of days ago, um, a big storm came through, and the rivers that were there rose and flooded the entire village that they minister at. Literally have almost washed it away. He and Paula just got back to Guatemala, I think less than a month ago. And they're going, now what? I got this message from Chris at two in the morning last night. He said, God is so good, and he is with us in this storm. The village has been destroyed. By God's grace, we were able to rescue everyone, all 54 families just in time. Within literally five minutes before the river overtook the village and destroyed it, the families are temporary living, temporarily living in the school in our town in a neighboring church. It's a miracle that no one was lost. Words cannot describe the horror of it all. Brother, God is with us in the storm. I'll write you, I'll write you more soon. We've been working nonstop. It's close to 2 a.m. here, and I just got phone service restored. He said, I'll keep you posted, and he sent me a picture of the church um, that is, I mean, there's a wall missing. I, I can't really show it to you, but there's a wall missing, and it's virtually unusable at this point. You know, what, be praying for them 
obviously, and we're going to be praying about maybe what we can do as a church. I mean, it's one of our missionaries, one of our key missionaries. They're incredible people. So be praying about that. You want to talk about a what if that's really, really real. That's probably worse than any of the what ifs that we're sitting here complaining about. But what if my world gets ripped from me? What if, uh, what if I lose everything in this business deal that I'm doing? What if, uh, what if my kids never talk to me again? Um, what if I lose my job? Uh, what if this cancer treatment doesn't work? What if my marriage doesn't work out? What if, um, what if this person takes their own life? What if this family member dies? You know, there comes a point where we feel like enough is enough, but is God enough in those moments? What if I have no hope? You know, the great thing about God, among the many, many, many great things about God, is that he never gives us a false hope. He never gives us a false hope, and he always tells it like it is, and I love that. I love that. See, God doesn't promise us a trouble-free life. He doesn't promise us a trouble-free life. And anybody that tells you different hasn't read the Bible, (laughs) quite frankly. Look at what Jesus said here to his disciples. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble But take heart, I have overcome the world. He doesn't promise us a a trouble-free life, but he does promise that he will be there in the midst of our storms. And we do have hope, and we we do have a Savior that loves us. We We do know that he loves us through it all. And I do know that if he brought you to it, he's gonna bring you through it. You may have heard that before, but right now, boy, in the world in which we're living in, we need to rest in that fact probably more than we ever have. But we tend to operate a lot like we have this unilateral contract with God that, um, you know, when I promise to do my part, I, I promise to do my part if God promises to do his part. If he fulfills my wants and wishes and desires, then, then, then I'll, do, I'll do my part. It's as if, you know, our, our desire to be faithful is based on, on him giving us what we want or, or payback. Doesn't God owe me something? We maybe don't say that out loud, but we kind of act that way. We kind of act that way, if we're being honest. In 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Corinth, and and at the beginning of the letter, he he talks about the wisdom of God as opposed to the wisdom of of us. And it really speaks perfectly to this idea about about this what-if frame of mind. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 31. It says this, But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. See, God uses the weak things because when we put our hope and we put our eyes on anything that is impressive by this world's standards, we're setting ourselves up for failure because it's gonna fail at some point. 
When we look to the things of this world to rescue us rather than to God, we're putting our hope in something that, that we know eventually is gonna fail. When we ask these what-if questions, we start infusing the wisdom of the world, we take our eyes off the one who we, who we know is really in control of it. And God's, and God's basically saying this, I don't want anyone to be able to, to boast in themselves, to boast in themselves or what they've done because ultimately that will fail. And he never will. He never will fail. And so when, when we ask the what if questions, we get desperate, we have the potential when we're desperate of making bad choices and bad decisions instead of saying, Lord, you're the only one that I can trust. You're the only one who can, as we just sang a few minutes ago. The what-ifs don't matter because God is not a wishy-washy God that can't make up his mind. That's not God. When we surrender control, we can see God's purpose much more clearly. I shouldn't want to love God because what he can do for me. I want to love God for who he is and to worship him for who he is because he is worthy of it. And so... What if? What if? We're back to asking this, this what if question. See, we have something far better than, than a, a reassurance of our what ifs. Um, we, we have an assurance that even if they do happen, he is going to be there in the midst, that he is going to carry me, he is going to care for me. We see a great example of this in the book of Daniel. Some of you may be familiar with this story, some of you not, but uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In the story in, in Daniel chapter 3, we see these guys who were not guaranteed to be rescued. They were not even, not even close to being guaranteed to be rescued here. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, was going to throw them into the fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down to a false idol. He said, bow down to this idol or I'm going to take you guys and burn you alive. I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. You want to talk about a what if. What, well, what if we don't do this? Well, we're barbecue. So what do we do? And these guys had an incredible statement. In Daniel chapter 3, here's what they said. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. See, we need to trade our irrational fears of an uncertain future for the loving assurance of an unchanging God. There's been a whole lot of this lately. Irrational fears of an uncertain future. A whole lot of that. Not just this week, but for the last few months, for a while. And we've forgotten about the loving assurance of an unchanging God. That's why we're up at night. That's, that's why our mind won't quit racing. That's why we've got that pit in our stomach that won't go away. That's why we can't put down our Facebook feed. We're, we're forgetting about the loving assurance of an unchanging God. Even if the worst happens, God will carry us. That's what those guys said. 
I don't know if any of you are at risk of being thrown into a fiery furnace. I'm not. Not literally. Figuratively, we may feel that way. But he will still be good. God will still be good. And he will never leave us. Even if the worst happens, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is enough. And those three guys faced fire without fear because they knew that whatever the outcome, whatever happened, it would ultimately be for the good and the glory of God, no matter what happened. They didn't ask, what if the worst happened? They were satisfied knowing that even if the worst happened, God would take care of them. Even if. This is a diametric shift that I want all of us to get our heads around. What if we replaced our what ifs with even if? What if you took the what ifs and replaced those with even if? The firm foundation of even if the rug gets pulled out from under me, I know who's on the throne. Amen. We're going to move into a moment of, uh, of communion where we're going to celebrate, commemorate, and reflect on what Jesus has done for us. Because even if the worst happens, Jesus is still on the throne. And that's not changing. And I think a lot of us need to take our what-if mindset and shift that to an even-if mindset. And I think this moment of us together as the church to take the bread and the cup together in this moment can maybe be just that for us. The Lord's table is a moment that, that we can take the what-ifs and give them over to the Lord. We can see the reality of even if through the time of reflection and worship, which is what we're supposed to have during this time, is a time of reflection and worship. I'd like to ask those that are going to help, uh, help with distributing um, some of these things and, and preparing the tables to, to take their spot at this time. And uh, I do have a, a bit of instruction, but before we get there, I want us to prepare ourselves because as believers, stick with me, as believers, as followers of him, we are told to set aside a time to remember. And so I want you to prepare yourself for communion today, and I, and I hope that you'll, you'll let God's word guide you and that you'll let the Holy Spirit guide you as you reflect on your life and his love for you and the salvation that you have. It says in Ephesians 4, it says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. But scripture is very clear about who this moment is for and that it is for those who are followers of Jesus and this is not to be taken lightly. I know this is gonna be a little bit different today with these cups being a little bit different but this is not a moment to be taken lightly. This is a moment that's for believers. It says in 1 Corinthians 11, then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves 
before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment upon themselves. See, this is reserved for believers. This is reserved for those who have put their faith and their trust in Jesus. But all are invited to join the family. It's a family meal. But this is exclusively inclusive, if you will. Because if you're not a follower of Jesus right now, you can make that decision. You can make that decision right now. Can I ask everyone to bow their heads for just a minute? If you've never put your faith in Jesus, maybe you've heard this over and over again every week and you just have been reluctant to take that step. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing it, that God loves you so much. He wants a relationship with you and it's our sin that separates us. It's our sin that separates us from God. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, he paid the price for you and for me that we can't pay for ourselves because we can never be good enough. And the blood of Jesus covered your sin and mine. And by putting your trust in that, you can have eternal life and that can start right now. And so I would encourage you, if you've not... If, if you're not 100% sure that you're going to heaven right now, you have an opportunity to just cry out to God. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that he is who he said he was. Tell him that. Confess and commit your life to him right now. Colossians 1 speaks to how we are seen as holy and blameless as we stand before God without a single fault. That is an amazing thing. So for the next couple of minutes, here's what we're going to do. I want you to take some time to pray and to reflect during this next worship song. And then during this song, as you feel led, as the Spirit is moving, I want you to get up and go to the table closest to you and grab one of these all-in-one elements. For those of you that are at home watching, you can get your, uh, your elements for, for communion ready at this time, something to represent the, the bread and the cup, representing the body and the blood of Jesus. Please go to the table that's closest to you and maintain distancing as best as you can, please. But I want you to go as you feel led, but please take some time to pray beforehand. And again, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus, love you, glad that you're here, but this meal isn't for you, and that's okay. Maybe next time. Maybe God's still working on your heart. So as we go into this time, I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to ask the team to, to sing during this time as, as this moment of, of reflection and remembering the body that's broken for us, the blood that was shed for you and for me. You can go at this time. Here's the thing. I, I want us to just stay focused for just a minute if we could because this has much more to do with what this represents and for what this means than, what's, than exactly what's going into our mouth. The heart of it. The heart of it is, is, is remembering who's really on the throne as, as Gary prayed. And I hope that this diametric shift that we've talked about this morning can help and encourage all of us, whether here 
or those of you at home. And that's why the connection point is very much related to that, but it's also a question. Because the connection point for the day is this, even if the worst happens, do I trust that Jesus is enough? Even if the worst happens, do I trust that Jesus is enough? What if, what if Jesus is enough no matter what happens? Can I tell you something? He is. He is enough. He's more than enough. He is the solid rock. He is the firm foundation that we can stand on. Nothing, nothing can compare to that.